Hello, and welcome to the Accreditation Matters podcast. This is a subsidy focused on the food sector, and I'll be your host. My name's Colin Christmas. I'm the IAF Food Working Group co-convener, and also a member of IQNet Association. And today, we're going to look at our first podcast, which is the role of accreditation in the food sector. Accreditation, it's a way of life. One of the actions that organizations are taking is to focus on issues of pressing importance. What the customers really want out of their accredited certification. I believe we have an impact on everyday's lives. It's important to be inclusive. It is important really to, to, to be open. And that will be one additional way to ensure that the voice of industry and user is heard and recognized. So, welcome to the Accreditation Matters podcast. I'd just like to thank everyone for joining us today. Uh, today we're going to start off with podcast number one for the food series. So this will be a series of podcasts uh, looking at how the food sector is working with accreditation and why that's important for the industry. So on today's podcast, uh, we have Wolfram Hartman sitting next to me. Um, Wolfram is the head of the Competence Center of Standards and Regulatory at DAX. Um, online we have Vani Bambri Arora. She's the technical advisor at UA UAF. We have Kylie Sheenan here, who's the General Manager of Operations at Jazzans and the IEAF MLA Chair. And last but not least, we have Skip Greenaway, um, Chairman Emeritus at Eagle Certification Group and also on the Board of Stakeholders for the FSSC Foundation. So with that, um, I just wanted to kick off and, and start with Wolfram and just want to understand a little bit more about the role of IAF, ILAC, what it is and what it's not. Okay. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> from my side. Uh, but uh, yeah, to, to come to your question, the role of IAF and ILAC uh, basically both are associations of um, accreditation bodies, and thus they take care of um, harmonization of accreditation practice. They do that by certain mechanisms. They do that by rulemaking for for themselves. So um, they are not directly monitoring the conformity assessment bodies as such but they indirectly have influence on their performance by giving rules to the accreditation bodies and, and thus the CAPs themselves. Um, there's a difference between IAF and ILAC. So there's, there's two associations. One, IAF is taking care of certification bodies and validation and verification bodies, whilst um, ILAC uh, is mainly um, taking care of laboratories, inspection bodies. Thanks, Wolfram. Really appreciate that uh, that summary, and I think that ties in nicely to um, taking us about what the role of ILAC and IEF is, um, and building upon that with the the MLA, the multilateral agreement. So, so Kylie is is the chair of um, the MLA. Can you give us a little bit more about accredited once, accepted everywhere? Uh, give us a little bit more of what that means and what that is. Sure. Thanks, Colin. Uh, so the purpose of the IAF multilateral recognition arrangement 
um, is to allow for the recognition of accreditations between signatories. Now they're um, accreditations of conformity assessment bodies that are undertaking certifications or validation and verification. So the MLA covers both. Of course under certification we have uh, product certification, management systems certification and um, certification of persons. So it, it covers off on all of those um, types of conformity assessment. Um, so through the recognition of the accreditations amongst the signatories, there's also the ability then to recognise the accredited certifications that are awarded by the conformity assessment bodies accredited by signatories. Um, and so um, that allows, um, you know, it facilitates trade because of the recognition of those um, certificates uh, globally. Uh, similarly, with the ILAC MRA, um, there's the recognition of inspection results and test uh, reports internationally because of um, the, the recognition of the accreditations under the ILAC MRA. Um, so what does that mean? Um, so it means that um, you know, we facilitate trade um, through that process, we have a number of different um, you know, regulators, scheme owners, etc., that recognise the MLA and its results. And we currently have um, six um, regional accreditation groups that are signatories under the MLA, and also 84 accreditation bodies that are signatories, and they cover 93 separate economies globally. Well, that's great, Kylie. That's very comprehensive and, and good to know about what the uh, the role of the MLA is. Thank you. Thank you. So, from understanding a little bit more about what IEF is and what ILAC is and what it's not, um, to understanding the the MLA, um, I just wanted to go over to you, uh, Barney, just to give us a little bit more information about conformity assessment um, in technical terms. That's the ISO seventeen thousand series. So I wonder if you can give us a little bit more about what standards are, with, are within the 17,000 series and, uh, and how that works with the chain of conformity assessment. Thank you, Colin. And as we know that the international standards are generally published by International Organization of Standards, which is widely known as ISO. And what ISO does is that they group different standards uh, which have the same objective and then control them with a thousand after giving a number of thousand after that. And we have different standards like 9,000 stocks about quality management system, 22,000 stocks about food safety management system. Similarly, ISO 17,000 series is more applicable to certification bodies and um, accreditation bodies. And it's not very um, familiar with the industry. It's if, if I say that it's not common in the industry this series, but it's very important for the conformity assessment because all the standards which are relevant to the certification and accreditations are grouped into uh, this series. And among this, uh, the ISO 17000, which is ISO IC 17000, that is the base. Because this, uh, this particular uh, document is the terminology document which defines 
how the different terminology is used and documented in all the 17,000 series. It's not exactly the dictionary meaning, but they are related to the uh, meaning. They define the concept specific to the field of conformity assessment. And um, when while explaining the standards today, the whole group of standards which are there in 17,000 series, uh, they are applicable. There's a structure like when uh, we have recently uh, understand that how Kylie explained the MLA and MRA structure. So the standard in this series, which is applicable to the accreditation bodies, whether they are doing the management system or product process uh, accreditation, or they are doing the inspection bodies accreditations. So the standard which is applicable to the accreditation bodies is ISO IC 17011. And then we have further standards which are depending on the kind of uh, conformity assessment these uh, bodies are doing. Like if you are doing for product or process which is coming under most of the food safety schemes like DRCGS or SQF or IFS, then the, the applicable standard to the certification bodies is ISO 17065. If you're doing management system, then the applicable standards to the certification bodies is 17021. Um, we are also talking about nowadays about the personal certification, the competent people working in the industry, competent auditors doing the conformity assessment. Then the applicable standard for personal certification is 17024. For inspection bodies, if you are doing the inspection, not the certification, then applicable standard is 17020. So these are the different standards depending on the kind of conformity assessment role you are doing. And then further, we have standards which are 9000, 22000. All these standards are there which have to be implemented by the industry. So this is whole uh, structure of standards which is applicable to the complete umbrella of conformity assessment and they give the assurance finally to the consumer and the customer that the food which is coming out has a system to ensure safety. Thank you. Barney, thanks for that. Uh, that's really good to know about the 17,000 series and, and the chain of conformity assessment. I, I see it as the layers of uh, the, the client that needs the certification, the CB, the certification body, accreditation bodies above that, and then at the top is IEF and ILAC. So very nice summary there. Thank you very much. So um, we're getting a feel of, of what's going on within IEF, what, what the organization's doing, the, the standards that we use that uh, are very important for conformity assessment and the chain uh, of standards and how they kind of forget, fit together. Um, so I just want to get now into the certification piece. Um, really, with certification from accredited certification bodies in the food sectors, um, it's, it's a broad range of things really um, within food. And there's a lot of subsectors within food where certification and accreditation uh, is uh, used within the food industry. So maybe Wolfram, if you can give us a little bit of a summary of, of what you see food and accreditation being. Um, that'll be great. Yeah, let me try. Because in answering to that question might be one of the reasons why this is not just one session, because or just the start of four sessions of, of accreditation matters for the food sector. So 
I, I, I try my best, but starting with certification bodies, as you mentioned, I mean, uh, Vanya already mentioned the ISO 22000. One concept and one major issue is food safety. No way around that. We've got certain ways of dealing with that. There's um, product or process certification as well as management systems with the ISO 22000 world, and that that's a great cornerstone of, of what the certification bodies are doing. But on top of that, there's quite a lot more. There's all sorts of quality that, that food can have and that can be assessed for conformity. There's um, all sorts of sustainability issues, foremost organic being a global issue, being regulated and being quite often certified by private conformity assessment bodies. There, there's issues like fair trade, so every, every one of us being a consumer knows about certain labels that, that are part of certification and uh, accredited certification to that end as well. And um, well, let alone that food industry itself needs certification on top of um, everything else they need to lend to, to the supply chain, just talking about um, environmental man management systems, about um, IT um, safety that um, the food industry needs as any other industry. But come to think of that, you mentioned certification. On the other hand, we've got the laboratories and inspection bodies uh, have been taken care of by ILAC. Um, so, so there's quite a lot of what laboratories are doing, mainly uh, talking about um, pesticide residues, for example, or testing for uh, genetically modified um, organisms in, in food, and so on and so on. So, so laboratories and inspection bodies play a big part in, in that circus too. So just, just giving a few examples and, uh, and that said, uh, coming back to the management systems, there's uh, always the question how to certify that, how to audit that and, and then, then we are talking again about integrated management systems where you say there is ISO 22000 for the food sector but there might be a case in point for 9001 or 14000 etc etc and that's where um, IF plays a part there is a rule on that IF MD 11 if I'm not mistaken so whatever long the list I guess I guess we can make that even longer but that's that's for starters no that's great Paul from I, I think I think that's key so so really when we talk about food um, there's just so many different subsectors that, that we, we touch upon Obviously, food safety is a big one. Um, that's one of the key components within the food working group within IEF. Um, but then again, I think it's just really important to say that um, it's not just food safety for under the IEF governance. It's really hugely more than that. Quality, organic, sustainability, health and safety of workers, uh, the environment. Um, you mentioned IT, which is another key one. So the food sector is a big representation of ISO 27001 and all the other standards, the other management systems are working together. Um, and I think for me that, that's interesting because we talk about integrated management systems at the same time that the UN has a definition of food systems. So the UN um, and, and the food uh, organization, the FAO, um, the Food and Agriculture Organization under the FAO, they really uh, talk about the importance of an integrated model. And, and that's very important as well because we see that with the ISO management systems being integrated in the food sector and ultimately the, the, uh, all those components fit well together and play a, play a crucial part as well. 
last but not least, um, Wolfram, you mentioned ILAC um, as the standard, which is 17025, which is for the accredited laboratories. So a lot of the testing inspection data is reliant upon accredited laboratories, and that's really important for trade, um, for moving food around the world, for across borders, uh, heavily reliant upon uh, accredited laboratories as well. So all those past plan, uh, a, a good integrated model within food, within the IAF and ILAC as well. So we've talked about the kind of the broad spectrum of the food sector, um, and I mentioned one of the key parts is within food safety. So I think it's important today that we get into a little bit of the history of food safety and accreditation, and, and that's why, Skip, we welcome you to the, the podcast, um, because you lived and breathed this uh, in the 1990s, and I think maybe it's a good history lesson to understand where, uh, where it all started with for um, certification and accreditation in the food industry, because that was part of your business model, um, and uh, we'd love to hear that story. Oh, <clears throat> thanks, Colin. And uh, I'm here today because I spent uh, 35 years in food manufacturing. In the last 18 years, uh, I'm on the other side with certification and accreditation. And to me, uh, part of that, I'll call it that journey, the 35 years was, you know, also being involved in a family business. And uh, when I first joined the family business in 1972, uh, I had the privilege of being one of the largest hamburger suppliers in the United States. Our main customers were uh, Taco Bell, Burger King, uh, we did the Arby's roast beef. And in that activity, we also uh, happened to make a few mistakes. One of them was I took that family business and went bankrupt in 1981. And I don't say that because I'm proud of it. I just say because it really has helped me you know, understand when we make a mistake, how do we find the right opportunity to correct that mistake? And for me, the certification and the ISO piece of it is part of my history and part of why I believe so strongly in IF and ILAC and all the activities around food. And for me, the key, we took the first uh, meat company uh, to ISO 9002 certification, you know, in 1996. And the start of that, was as a result of our technical manager, Roger Roth, came to me because we were struggling with the result. I mentioned Burger King uh, as well as Taco Bell, and in the early 90s, they started up a vendor evaluation. And we were proud of the fact that our vendor evaluation activities was involved in HACCP as well as TQM. And for us, uh, we uh, started with a uh, experiment with the USDA in the, in the 80s and we really believe strongly that it made us a better company but unfortunately in the United States uh, the USDA the unions at that particular time put pressure on Congress because they really thought that HACCP was going to eliminate their jobs uh, and so we had to walk away from that activity but we saw the value of HACCP and then in 1994, I was exposed, as I said, Roger Roth had done some experimentation with the failure for us in TQM, or we weren't satisfied with it. And there was uh, Dr. Catherine Adams, uh, who was the director of quality at Campbell Soup, who was very committed to merging HACCP with ISO 9000 series. 
And so I was fortunate enough that Roger said, Skip, get off your butt and go to the seminar to find out, you know, a little bit more what I think is something very, very positive. And for me, it really was eye-opening in terms of, and as a result of that particular activity, you know, we became the first ISO 9002 meat company in the United States, you know, to be certified. And it really made a difference. And when I say it made a difference, we talk about, you know, standards, we talk about IAF, we talk about ILAC, and for us it wasn't mandatory. We did it because we knew that it was going to make us a better company. And I think that's the other piece that too many people think that ISO certification and accreditation is really only for people that have to mandate it, and it really isn't. It made us a better company. And, and to me, the bottom line is critical, being the president and CEO of family businesses my whole life, you know, I realized that yes, we you know, need to talk about trust, transparency, and teamwork, but we also have to make sure that we make money. So the financial advantage for us as a company in the food industry, you hear uh, large volumes uh, because everybody has to eat. Most companies have some fairly significant volume. And for us, we were a large volume supplier uh, to all the big uh, fast food chains. And our top line was very significant, hundreds of millions of dollars. But the bottom line was pretty slim, uh, basically about 1% to 2% net profit on an annual basis. And when we became ISO certified, we went from a 1% to 2% to a 3 to 4%. And we associated that with the processes and a consistency to the 18 requirements for 19, or excuse me, 9002. That was really the start of our benefit. Also, I mentioned the idea that we struggled with some of the comparisons of the vendor report that Burger King and Taco Bell gave us. And we perceived that we were at the top. And when we got our first results, we were closer to the bottom. And what I'm proud to say is, is that after our ISO certification, we moved all the way up you know, to either not necessarily number one, but at least number two or number three. And in addition, uh, Gordon Food Services, one of the largest distributors in the United States as well as Canada, and they initiated a supplier vendor uh, also report card. And in that particular uh, category for us, the meat category for six straight years, we were number one. And then out of uh, the six years, two out of the six, we also became number one uh, total supplier to their whole network of suppliers, which in those days, you know, amounted to hundreds and hundreds of vendors. So for me, you know, I guess I close my comments in terms of related to the manufacturing side that made us a better company, but it also helped me lead myself into being involved in IAF and ILAC and the whole ISO, you know, family of network and what it means in terms of to not necessarily, you know, do something because it's mandatory, but do something because it makes you a better company. And so for me, it also was you know, very important that all of the organizations and the structure that you've heard us talk about today in terms of whether it be GFSI, whether it be the automotive, whether it be aerospace, you know, it's not just food safety, you know, it's also aerospace safety, it's also automobile safety. And 
my point is, is that it really is critical for all of our customers to recognize that the independent oversight, you know, really has the respect of the regulatory people as well as the governments. And in my opinion, it really does allow for us to be certified, to be tested, uh, to be inspected, and to be accredited once and truly accepted everywhere. And that's the piece, in my opinion, that I hope that everybody can get out of this podcast today. Thank you. That's great. It's really good to get that history lesson. really appreciate that. So um, I don't believe that everyone knows that that was how it all started with, uh, with the ISO 9001 series. That really developed uh, in uh, popularity uh, out of Europe. And then at the same time, like you said, USDA promoting HACCP in the US and those two systems coming together. So that, that was the early to, to mid 90s and uh, it was the journey for standardization. Um, and um, I think that's great. It's like you said, um, it was a voluntary initiative. So a lot of these organizations were doing this not because it was mandated, but because like you said, it can make, it make you a better company. And Colin, I, th I think I want to add that to me what impressed me with Dr. Adams, you know, in terms of her seminar, she emphasized the fact that ISO 9000 series really came out of, of Europe. You know, back then, you know, United States, we really didn't know about it. And, and HACCP came out of the United States. HACCP was developed by Pillsbury along with NASA for the space program. And it was their way to assure that our astronauts in space wouldn't get sick. So to me, Dr. Adams really pushed, you know, this merger of the idea of the 9000 series could be, you know, that management, you know, system that we needed that linked with HACCP, which was the food safety side. So we had, and, and for me being a businessman, we had that business piece with 9000 and then we had HACCP that really merged together and really made a difference, you know, in, in the food companies in the United States. And I'm willing to say in Europe too, because HACCP became a worldwide, you know, process just like, you know, to me 9000 and all of the standards have become worldwide. So thank you. No, that's, that's great, Skip. It's really good, good to know that uh, kind of uh, where the certification journey started um, with food safety. And I think just continuing on that food safety journey, so that's where it started. Then there was an evolution um, with, with industry standards um, uh, being founded by the retailers. Um, there was a lot of um, different standards out there and a lot of um, um, competing standards and a lot of confusion in the marketplace as well. So. Barney, maybe you can uh, continue the, the history lesson that we're going through today and, and tell us a little bit more about the industry standards uh, and, uh, and how that worked and, and what the retailers did to address some of the concerns with um, uh, um, lack of harmony and, uh, and the harmonization approach that came with GFSI. Um, thank you once again. Um, actually, it's very interesting to um, understand the different of this complete food safety framework, I will say food safety framework. But before I start explaining the different private standards, food safety schemes, international standards, I just want to mention uh, in one-liners the difference between these international standards, food safety schemes, and regulatory requirements. We have uh, international standards like 22,000. We have 
फूड सेफ्टी स्कीम्स लाइक बी आर सी एच जी एस एंड देन द रेगुलेटरी रिक्वायरमेंट्स विच आर देयर लाइक यू एस एफ टी ए एंड इन इंडिया वी हैव एफ एस एस ए आई द रेगुलेशन आर डेवलप बाय द रेगुलेटरी बॉडीज बेसिकली ऑफ द कंट्री नॉ दीज रेगुलेटरी बॉडीज दे आर देयर टू एंश्योर दैट द फूड इज सेफ बट दीज रेगुलेटरी रिक्वायरमेंट्स आर मैंडेटरी and minimum they are enforced by the law uh since they are minimum uh, there are more expectations by the retailers the consumers and everybody want to ensure that whatever uh, the food is coming uh, to their country the food which is coming on their uh, retail chain that is safe so more and more uh, focus was there on the food safety uh, standards and and they also want to ensure other things like which were not addressed in many of the regulations like social responsibility workers uh, workers issues related to workers and all that so all these gaps were filled by the food safety schemes and we this is about the regulation then on other hand we also have um international standards which are generally developed by the working groups which are comprising of the national standards bodies and iso 22000 is one of the international standards and food safety schemes are developed by the stakeholders they are voluntary but become a compulsion due to their insistence by the by certain markets so with all this now i want to um explain that as i mentioned that there were certain regulations there were certain standards but still retailers find that there is a gap between the requirement and how they can ensure the food safety so the first private food safety standard was developed entirely and collective uh, by the retailers the retail association and this was the brc technical standards and brchs represents the interest of uh, major retailers of the uk uh, the uh, i think the first standard which was out which was formed was in uh, this whole consortium was formed in 1992 and they published the first standard in 1998 but this was not just one um, food safety scheme which was developed by the retailers uh, in 2000 a group of german uh, german food retailers also developed a scheme uh, which is called ifs uh, international food standard and this became the first pan european scheme and so parallel in the world many of the food safety schemes were developed sqf global gap which is for the primary produce and industry was observing at this time that there were too many food safety scheme and they were just facing the audit fatigue as retailers were performing inspections audits by themselves or through third parties for various schemes when these schemes and standards they were not uh they lack the international certification and accreditation resulting in incompatible auditing with results and recognizing the global proliferation of food safety scheme 
and the potential of fragmentation of global supply chain the global food safety initiative was established in 2000 and uh, it is a member based organization of uh, chief executive officers of leading international food chain the aim of gfsi was to harmonize the food safety schemes using the benchmarking model and the aim of gfsi among others is to facilitate the benchmarking of food safety scheme the ambition of gfsi uh, is to strengthen the harmonized food safety system so that they are able to feed the growing global population and develop market that can deliver the safe food to date there are many standards which are under this gfsi framework like brcgs we have ifl uh, we have global gap we have fsc 22000 sqf and they all are recognized by gfsi um, and there are more than 100000 sites certified uh, that is what in the, uh, what is there in the uh, i don't have the exact data but that is there in the public uh, estimated that there are more than 100000 sites which are certified under this uh, Uh, gfsi recognized uh, food safety schemes and as i mentioned that we also have this this is about the food safety schemes and the applicable standard was 17065 for certification bodies parallelly we were also having um, iso 22000 which is food safety management system which was first published in september 2005 this was also uh, the standard developed by um iso tc uh, 34 sc 17 and they have the national expert and also supported by the codex elementary elementarius commission which is the united nation bodies so this iso which is an international standard made the easier for the organizations to implement the codex hasab along with the systems requirement which is 9000 there so all these different uh, uh schemes and standards were there and they were using uh the international standards which were again developed by the iso like if they are going for uh, as i have explained earlier if you are using the 22000 an organization decided to go to ensure the food safety and want to use the route of 22000 they will go the cb has to be 17021-1 if they use um, they decided to use uh, brcgs or uh, uh, sqf then the they have to choose a certification body which is um, 17065 accredited so this is the whole framework and all this is to bring the confidence in the consumer and facilitate the international trade that's it thank you thanks for that uh, really good summary of um where where we moved from so so we started off with the industry with the 9000 series plus hasap and then we evolved into um the the retailer um the standards that were founded by the retailers with gfsi coming in to do a really important take a really important leadership role in the food industry to harmonize these standards because there were so many different standards out there and obviously audit fatigue with retailers doing their own supplier based audits which obviously created a lot of uh, duplication and an audit fatigue like you mentioned 
last but not least, uh, ISO 22000 then was published in 2005, so really good summary to, to understand the kind of journey of where we've got today um, and, and the role that um, the IEF play with uh, certification and, and the accreditation piece for all of those standards, for the international standards and for the food schemes um, that's recognized from GFSI as well. So, Barney, thanks for that. Um, and then I just wanted to wrap up today's podcast with uh, just to come back to you, Kylie, to say, okay, we, we have a lot of different scheme owners in the food sector, um, not just food safety, but uh, um, in other subsectors of the food industry as well. And um, um, they fall under the accreditation piece with, with the IAF, and we've talked about the MLA. So can you just tell me a little bit more about the endorsement process for scheme owners? Um, obviously, with um, quite a few scheme owners under the IEF, why is it important for them to have an IEF MLA endorsement? Sure. Thanks, Colin. Um, so the IEF has a process for extending the scope of the MLA, and that's for both um, public standards, like any of the ISO standards, um, but also for the private schemes. Um, and that includes those types of schemes that, that Barney's just outlined, um, the BRCGS, IFS, etc. Um, so we've, yeah, for some time now, recognised how important it is to have the ability to recognise the equivalence of certification. So um, where a scheme owner adopts our framework, so you know, requires their um, CABs to be accredited by um, IAF's um, signatories to the MLA um, and where they're willing to become a, a member um, and to become involved in the development of our documents and our processes. We allow their schemes to be endorsed. Now we have a set of criteria that we um, apply to that particular process and we evaluate their schemes against that criteria. And some of the, those criteria include the global reach of the, the scheme, the acceptance of the, um, the consumers and, and customers in the marketplace. Um, and so we really have to be sure that, that it's a, a valid, a, a robust scheme that we can actually recognise. And then by, doing, by going through that recognition process, it means that um, those schemes become part of the peer evaluation process, which of course underpins the MLA. So um, those schemes are sampled through the peer evaluation process. And so where a peer evaluator goes to evaluate an accreditation body, they will look to see how the accreditation body is actually accrediting CABs or conformity assessment bodies against those particular schemes. So it gives the, um, the scheme owner and consumers more confidence um, in the performance of those CABs and those accreditation bodies that are involved um, in their scheme. Kylie, wonderful. I think that's um, an important way to, to wrap up this podcast today, to tell us about the importance of um, the MLA endorsement and why scheme owners um, see the benefit of that and, and why that allows them to, to truly be a, a global player um, in the food safety world um, or, or any other food sector that they're working in and looking for the MLA endorsement. 
So a lot of benefits there. So really just, just to wrap up, um, today's podcast was really just to give us a, a bit of a flavor and introduction to what IEF and ILAC do in terms of supporting the food, um, food sector for, for certification and accreditation. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed that. There'll be future podcasts um, that will expand on some of these subjects that we've touched upon today. So look out for those. And uh, I'd just like to thank the, the members of the podcast today. So, so Kylie Skip, Wolfram, Varney Online, um, thank you for your time today. Um, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Look out for the next one. And uh, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much.